The following program is being brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This is Jerry Prokopovich with Civil War Talk Radio. On Civil War Talk Radio each week, we talk typically with authors about Civil War topics. This week's topic, the Battle of Franklin, November 30, 1864, often referred to as the bloodiest five hours of the American Civil War. Our author this week is not a traditional book author, however, but the publisher and creator of a detailed website on the battle. He is Craig McNutt. The website is battleoffranklin.wordpress.com. And this is Civil War Talk Radio. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to talk. Haiti has been hit hard by a deadly earthquake. Destruction is everywhere. Tens of thousands are feared dead and hundreds of thousands are homeless without food, water, and basic necessities. Save the Children is on the scene, but your support is urgently needed to help us save lives. Please give as much as you can now. Call 1-800-SAVE-THE-CHILDREN or go online at savethechildren.org. You can even donate $10 right now by texting the word SAVE from your cell phone to 20222. Please give now. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Welcome to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. Coming to you this Friday afternoon in March of 2010 from the third floor of the Brewster Building on the campus of East Carolina University. But, as always, not speaking for East Carolina, uh, but just for myself, even though I'm here using the office. And likewise, today's guest will speak for himself and not for ECU or any other institution. Uh, <clears throat> legal matters out of the way. I'm happy to say I'm coming to you today from the Brewster Building because uh, it looked for a while like I might be coming to you from a different location. Uh, by that I mean over the past week, uh, I've been getting uh, sage medical advice from my mother that I ought to go see a doctor, as every over 50 uh, person ought to do periodically. And uh, I'm dragging my feet, but eventually we'll get around to this, of course. But uh, last night had the uh, experience that many men this age have, I guess, of uh, visiting the emergency room, and if my mother's listening, I'm fine, don't be concerned, um, for what turned out to be a kidney stone, which I'd be happy to tell you about in detail for the next 45 minutes, uh, but I don't think anyone's listening for that purpose. Uh, but I'm happy to say I, after spending the evening in the emergency room and getting home at uh, 4 a.m., uh, I'm 
back on my feet uh, with the the benefit of powerful pain medications not available during the Civil War. Uh, I'm able to do the show and uh, return and be in the office today. So uh, much happier to be at the Brewster Building with all its many f- flaws and uh, uh, faults than at Pitt County Memorial Hospital. So that's uh, uh, the good news here. The uh, other good news is we have an interesting program today talking about the Battle of Franklin in uh, Tennessee, 1864, uh, a subject many of you uh, will be familiar with, but not through the usual format of uh, discussing uh, authors uh, who have written books. Uh, the, the show has never been solely about authors. We've had people from many different avenues of Civil War history on, people who've uh, been painters or collectors or museum uh, uh, professionals or other fields. Uh, and uh, today we have, as a uh, a guest, uh, looking for the right title, blog historian, uh, web historian. Uh, our guest is Craig McNutt, who has created uh, the Battle of Franklin.wordpress.com website uh, that shows what can be done uh, with websites in terms of historical content. Uh, Mr. McNutt, are you there? Yes, I am. Thanks, Jerry. Uh, thank you for being on the show. Uh, at short notice, too, I might add, I appreciate you being able to step in. Well, and my pleasure. I'm, I'm glad you're feeling better after your your uh, little episode at the hospital. It was it was uh, very interesting. Uh, I, I find that uh, I've had colleagues here who've gone through this, and uh, the the urge to discuss one's medical condition at great length is is one that I'm going to resist for the next hour. Uh, but but many of us have been there, I'm sure. Um, well, I was looking, uh, I will occasionally Google uh, this show, Civil War Talk Radio, to see uh, who's listening to it or, or what's, uh, if it's getting mentioned in other places. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, and and uh, you have a link to it on your website, uh, The Battle of Franklin. And that got me looking at the site. And one of the themes that this show has seems to come back to regularly is the, the split between public historians or... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, professional historians and, and amateur historians, maybe that's not the right word, uh, 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 popular historians, people who use, who have different backgrounds and use different formats. So let me just start by asking you uh, about your, your background. Um, do you do this for a living, or is this website uh, uh, something you can do on the side? Yeah, um, I have several Civil War-related uh, blogs. Uh, the Battle of Franklin is, is one of my largest. Um, and the easier way to get to it is simply the Battle of uh, BattleOfFranklin.net uh, uh, is good. the easiest way. So if you don't if you don't want to have to remember the WordPress part of it, but Very it's good. on the WordPress platform. <clears throat> but um, no, I, I all of my blogs I do uh, just on the side. It's just uh, you know pure distraction from my. Um, my workaday world, uh, which is actually in the um, the internet field and, and specifically subscription-based, you know, content marketing. But um, all of my Civil War stuff and, and the blogs that I do uh, that aren't even related to the Civil War are are done just from uh, you know pure hobby. So, what got you interested in in doing this originally? Well, I've been a um, I would call it you know a serious student of the Civil War for um, over 25 years. 
I'm in my uh, late 40s, and um, I have a couple graduate degrees, um, but um, I, none of my graduate work was, was in American history, uh, you know, much less uh, the Civil War. But, um, you know, I like to say uh, that the personal is the most powerful, and, um, and I think that's true, especially with the Civil War, that, that until we, a lot of people, you know, don't have an interest in anything, much less the Civil War, until they find that personal connection. And so uh, many years ago, um, about 10 years ago, um, I'm, I'm married to a wonderful woman who's, whose uh, Civil War uh, heritage is is incredibly rich, and uh, but I didn't even know that until about ten years ago, when I discovered uh, that my wife had over forty relatives in uh, the Civil War, all from the same grandparents. So there were over forty boys, uh, brothers, cousins, fathers, sons, all from uh, uh, basically Gibson County, Indiana, near Evansville, and all of those boys um, fought for the Union, of course. And I just started tracking down, you know, <clears throat> they were mostly in Western theater battles. Uh, three of them were at the Battle of Franklin. Um, they were as young as 13. Uh, there was a 13-year-old at Shiloh, a uh, relative of my wife's. And so just, you know, the personal became very powerful for me to, to want to understand their stories and what they went through. So you began pursuing these. Did, did you just start doing research on them? Uh, looking? For, did you have documents or diaries at home? How, how did you get into, what steps did you take to pursue this? Yeah. Um, well, you know, because I, one of my master's is in library and information science, but it was, it was done back in 1990 before the World Wide Web was around. But, you know, the skill sets that I, I learned on researching, you know, back in that day um, ha- has always paid great dividends for me going forward. And, and so, you know, when the web became available, you know, 94, 95, when it really kind of hit the radar, um, I had already had this love for the Civil War, and I began to, um, as a matter of fact, I, I, I created my first Civil War website called the Civil War Gazette. CivilWarGazette.com is, is the website today. It's, it's, it's another blog that um, is a very, very, uh, it's more broader in its, in its focus rather than just the Battle of Franklin. And um, so, you know, the web has gotten easier and easier to find uh, materials and information and diaries and letters uh, on soldiers. And so, um, you know, there's, as, as you know, and, and I'm sure most of the, uh, the listeners of your program know that uh, the, the web is just a wealth of, of, of resources. They're not always easy to find, but, but you know, you, you just learn the tricks of the trade of how to, to find letters and diaries and, and uh, records. And, there, you know, of course, there are databases available. <clears throat> and then as well, uh, you know, one of my favorite uh, places uh, to look for primary content is through the auction houses, you know, through Heritage Auction or Nate, Nate Sanders or, of course, eBay. And I'm always pulling uh, original content from uh, these auction houses and um, uh, excerpting some of the content and, and excerpting it on the blog uh, or on these blogs. And, um, you know, because a lot of that information just would never be available uh, to the general public um, if something like this weren't done. I, I can remember uh, in the pre-internet days when I uh, was at the uh, Lincoln Museum in Fort Wayne, Indiana, mm-hmm. that we would receive printed auction catalogs right. and um, periodically would spend uh, a day going through them and, and cutting out mm-hmm. pages with reproductions of the letters they were selling uh, and, and filing them where appropriate in our research files. So we'd have a photograph of a letter right. uh, with its content 
occasionally we would actually buy things, but but more often just use them as as references. Now that was the as you say the pre-internet days. Now you can when you re- reference these auctions, do you do it with the purpose of buying things or just using what's listed online? Yeah, I mean, many times I do buy my own. You know, I, I collect uh, Western theater and then, and then specifically uh, Tennessee-related documents and, and what have you. So oftentimes I will buy them myself, and then they, they obviously, you know, get on my blog and, you know, you know, you know just uh, the complete uh, version of, of perhaps that document or that full that full uh, 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 copy of the letter. Uh, but then sometimes I'll just, ex- if I don't buy the document, uh, I'll just excerpt the, um, you know, a letter or a diary. And, you know, I've been doing this for a long, long time. I mean, 15 years of, of publishing content on a website. And then when then blogs became available, uh, I've been doing that very consistently for, you know, five or six years. And, um, you know, I, I always, uh, you know, cite if, I, if if a letter didn't come from me, if an excerpt of a letter or a diary, uh, if I if I don't personally own it, if I did not personally purchase it myself, I'll I'll reference the you know the the source that you know from you know Heritage Auction from Nate Sanders, uh, or you know eBay, and um, you know in in all the years I've done it, I've never. I've never uh, received an email from anyone saying, "Hey, take that content down." Uh, and of course, I would if if they, you know, did feel like I was, uh, you know, violating their their you know copyright or or what have you. Um, I'd be more than glad to take it down. But instead, it's always just the opposite when these when when individuals or, or people find out that I'm doing this, um, they appreciate it because you know it, it also when people come to my site and they they see a, a letter or something or an excerpt from maybe one of these auction houses or eBay or something, uh, I send traffic back to that site. And uh, so they're usually all too too happy to uh, to allow me to, to source a, a quote. Now, wh- when you say you put a letter on the site, do you normally do this in the form of a transcript or, or an actual image of the, the document? Uh, I'll do both, um, you know, especially for the letters that I own. Um, uh, I'll, I'll uh, put images of the letters, um, um, and and then if there is an image that was you know uh, provided by the auction house, sometimes I'll just put a portion of the image. Um, I usually don't, um, you know, I, I want to be sensitive to the fact that obviously they're they're trying to make a sell, if you will, and so my I don't want I don't want to ever do anything to you know to uh, to upset them or or to make them feel like I'm trying to you know uh, improperly benefit from the content they're providing. So it's usually just, a, if it's from an auction house, it's just a, a, an ex, a, a small, uh, sample of the graphic of the letter that's being presented. Um, and then again, depending on, you know, if it's a full transcript or not, it's, if, if they come from other sources that I don't, if I don't own the letters myself, I usually just excerpt the part of the letter that I think, you know, is most interesting or pertinent to the Battle of Franklin or, or whatever I'm covering. Um, and then if, if they're my letters, uh, I usually provide uh, full transcripts to those on a general basis. This is really, uh, to me, an interesting topic. Uh, I had students asking me this week about their research papers in a Civil War class I'm teaching, uh, and uh, a frequent question is, are we allowed to use Internet sources? Right. And it, it's sort of a, a, almost an obsolete question. On the one hand, uh, uh, nobody, no professional historian I know, doesn't use the Internet for research continuously. Uh, it, it's an incredible tool. Why would you not use it? Uh, a few people will, a few older colleagues might insist that you only use printed sources, but that, that's really an obsolete view. But the, the more valid question then that the students ask and that I wrestle with answering is, how do you know what 
you can use and what you can't use online. Now, you talk about when you put up a, a letter, if you put up an image of a letter so I can see the photograph of the letter and then you've got a transcript of it, I can be fairly confident that that's what the letter says. I, right. I'm reading it right there online, the picture of it. and. and right. uh, and I know where I can, if it's a letter you own, I know where I could find the original if, if it were necessary to check that. Right. Um, but your websites are, I wouldn't say exceptional in that way, but uh, not every Civil War website or any history website necessarily goes to that length. Uh, I, I'm sure you've encountered some less than, than reliable history websites uh, in, in your own research. Is that right? Yes, I mean, that, that is true. And, and you know, um, you know, back in the day when I first started, I would often just find, you know, excellent letters on other websites um, and then get, get permission to, to also post their content on mine and, and then cite that source, you know, reference that source. And um, that was how I built my content early in the days. But, but now um, I rely much more on my own um, or again, go uh, the the content that's that's available through these auction houses, through like Heritage and Nate Sanders. They they there is so much excellent content there um, that you know what what. And again, you know, I obviously I'm not a professional historian, um, but you know, let, let me let me put it, this example. Like I in December, I bought a collection of letters from a 63rd Indiana soldier, and there are 25 letters in that lot, and I'm starting to slowly. Um, extract some of the content uh, from those letters um, and diary and and post those on my blog and you know if I did not as as a private collector and then you know think of how many other private collectors there are out there like myself, if we didn't provide access to to this primary resource material to the community out there, if you will um, you know, I, I don't know if I'm ever going to publish, you know, in, in, in terms of traditional book format, the, the letters of Addison Lee Ewing. I might, uh, but uh, I might not. It just depends. And so, and, but at least I can get some of this content out there for, you know, consumption of amateur historians and even professionals if they want to use it, um, because it's very rich content. It's tremendous content. Um, and, if, and if, you know, people like myself, if we didn't make it available, you know, I think it would be a um, it, it would be a shame uh, because uh, here's here's an example in the in the in the December fifth letter that AOL uh, a. Lee, uh, Addison Lee Ewing writes to his wife, uh, December fifth. It's five days after the Battle of Franklin. Now, I own the original letter, and if this content, if I didn't make this available on my blog, no one would know it. And I'm going to read you just an excerpt because. Uh, I'm going to show you how you know people like me and my blogs can fill in a gap. He he talks about he's the 63rd Indiana. Uh, he's in he's in the 63rd. They're on the far left Union flank, uh, buttressed up against a railroad. And so the when the Confederates come and make their charge uh, during the Battle of Franklin on uh, November 30th, 1864, um, his his uh, brigade takes a tremendous onslaught uh, from from. Uh, uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of uh, Confederates from Mississippi and Alabama, especially. And he says in his letter uh, on December 5th, he says, The Rebs fought desperately. Colonels and generals rode right up to our faces, bringing their men in fine style. But bluecoats wouldn't budge back one inch, and there fell victims to their own mad actions. 
And then he goes on to say, it was a terrible slaughter. We took 3,000 prisoners in 17 colors. It, that, that's a tremendous uh, color and flavor that adds to our understanding of the battle that, you know, is, is, is content that needs to be, in my opinion, needs to be made available out there to help tell the story in a more richer, deeper, and a fuller way. And it's content like that that's in the hands of many private collectors that, you know, I kind of hold this content loosely. I feel like I'm a steward of this content and that, you know, even if I'm not going to, uh, you know, publish it in, in a traditional print format, I should at least make it available uh, on, on blogs and on, on the Internet for uh, people to be able to take advantage of it. Well, I, th- I think that really, that word steward is, is a critical word. I want to come right. back to that in just a minute. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back talking today with Craig McNutt, uh, online Civil War historian and collector. We'll be back in just a moment on Civil War Talk Radio. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Many years ago, Civil War letters and diaries were held in archives to be researched or in private hands to be admired. Now the Internet has changed everything. We'll find out how when we talk with online historian Craig McNutt on Civil War Talk Radio. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Introducing the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit thegreentalknetwork.com and tune in to help spread the green. You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, talking today with Craig McNutt, the author and publisher of BattleOfFranklin.net, a Civil War website, along with several other websites. And we've been talking about the role of the Internet in, in Civil War manuscript collecting. Uh, we will talk about the Battle of Franklin, as promised up front, but this, uh, I think, really is a, a new direction that, that is worth exploring a little further. The, the whole nature of, of historical research has, has changed with the advent of the Internet in the last uh, 15 years or so, and it was the case before that, in the days when I got my graduate training, that uh, to find primary sources, to find manuscripts, letters, diaries, uh, uh, original photographs, one went to archives uh, held at uh, museums, at universities, at libraries, and dug in and found these letters that no one else had read for a hundred years. And it's quite an amazing feeling to get your hands on uh, a document that you know no one else has looked at 
in decades, if not over a century. And, and then to work that into your published work and be able to quote from it or refer to it and help, uh, <clears throat> help your readers get a better understanding of some historical event by bringing together these far-flung historical materials. And, and one drove across the country from archive to archive and stopped at every little town historical society and see if they have any letters related to whatever your subject might be. This changes with the uh, uh, with technology, and, and again, as, as we were discussing in our first segment, uh, there was a time I can recall again, uh, 15 years ago, going through auction catalogs, published paper catalogs, and uh, extracting as much as, as one could of the, the very rich material there. You might find dozens of letters being auctioned, uh, and there might be a picture of a letter or content quoted from a letter, and that uh, could be brought out and thus uh, used in, in a museum exhibit or in a, uh, quoted in a, a book and brought to the public that way. But now we have a new generation of collectors, and, and that's what uh, Craig and I have been discussing here, who not only uh, collect materials for their, their individual satisfaction uh, or perhaps for the long-range hope of one day writing a book from it, but uh, uh, it, it's hard enough for professionals to find time to write books, mm-hmm. Uh, but now there's the opportunity to take the collection and make it accessible to the public uh, through the Internet. And, and that really has changed the nature of historical research. And, and Craig, the question I want to ask you is, is this. Um, a lot of repositories, traditional repositories, from the Library of Congress on down, uh, recognize the same thing and are, are doing what they can to put their collections online so that you don't necessarily have to go to Washington to see the papers of Abraham Lincoln. You can mm-hmm. see photographs of them. Uh, it's not quite the same as handling it, but it's a lot better than nothing at all. Um, there are no rules yet, or at least no, no consensus of how to make these things accessible, uh, of how to reference them. Uh, if I wanted to research the battle of uh, all the manuscripts on the Battle of Franklin, uh, you know, again, in the old days, I would start in Tennessee, and I would go to historical societies and go start at the battlefield and work my way out and uh, go to places in Nashville and the counties nearby and uh, and then call people on the phone who I'd heard might have letters. How do you do it in the Internet age? Uh, how do you find more material on, on the Battle of Franklin? Well, um Again, besides uh, what I've already mentioned, of, of um, I'll go to the you know auction sites or eBay or what have you, and you know just through good keyword searches, learning how to use keyword search strings, um, so that when you when a search engine is is delivering the results, um, they're delivering relevant results. Um, I, I really find that that's key. Um, you know. M- uh, it, using different search strings, for example, like I, I'll like if you just I haven't done it lately, but if you just go to Google, for example, and just search for Battle of Franklin in quotes, okay, make sure the quotes are in there because that way it'll search that entire phrase, and then maybe add the word letters, and then maybe the word manuscripts. You're gonna Google is gonna pull uh, any document that is gonna have those key terms in it, and oftentimes. By playing around with with different uh, keyword search strings like letters, diaries, manuscripts, documents, um, I will often uh, really uh, have great success uh, with various uh, not only the the, the the mega search engines like your Google's and Yahoo and Bing or or what have you, but 
but even um, uh, on on Yahoo or on eBay, you know, uh, if you search under the category of original Civil War items, once you once you are are under that classification in their directory. You can then search for any term you want. Uh, you can search for Tennessee. You can search for Franklin. You can search for Hood, or or whatever you want. And um, it really, just learning some of the secrets of the trade, you know, over over years, over the years, uh, one can end up uh, really finding just about everything that that I think almost can humanly be found on the internet. Now, again, it, it has taken me many many years, but I'm to the point now where um, it. it it, there's, I've probably not, if it's not available, uh, or if it is available on the Internet, I have probably have found it if it's related to the Battle of Franklin, um, just because of so many years of being into this. Um, but, um, you know, it just takes a little bit of, uh, you know, diligence and perseverance to stay on top of, of your searches um, so that, you know, when you do find something, maybe, maybe the way you find something tomorrow might be very, uh, different than the way you found it, you know, previously. And so th- sometimes even the, the, when letters pop up in different ways and different sites, it might give you a key to, uh, to you know, is this just a, a one-time only you're finding, you know, something like this, or did you lock upon a series of letters? And, you know, case in point is my, my uh, A.L. Ewing letters that I mentioned uh, just a while ago that I found or that I purchased. Um, What's interesting is um, the Lilly Library in at Indiana University. They own his original diary and uh, a transcript. Um, they they own his 1864 diary, and then it was actually uh, late 1864 and 1865. They own the original, but they also own transcripts of his 1862 and three uh, in the first half of 64 in just transcript format. What was really interesting is when I bought these Ewing letters <clears throat> in December. Um, I put my very first uh, excerpt of a of a Ewing letter on my blog. Within within 72 hours, I got a call as an email, and then we 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 uh, met by phone from a librarian at Lilly, letting me know that they had just purchased the Ewing diaries, um, and they were so fresh that they weren't even in their catalog yet. And and within within two weeks, I made a trip to the Lilly Library to look at those diaries now. And so I just think there's a great partnership to be had between the the professional academic community and libraries and librarians uh, with the the more amateur public um, you know collector like myself, because you know I've we've initiated a great relationship with the Lilly Library and uh, they are happy as can be that I found them with my letters and I'm happy as well that I found them with their diaries from the same soldier. Well, you know, you used the word steward in our first uh, mm-hmm. segment, and that really is, is a key word that uh, uh, one hears a lot in public history when talking about uh, artifacts and collections. Uh, the concept of stewardship, that, that, that we own, uh, we as individuals or we as institutions may own an artifact or a document, uh, but that doesn't mean it's ours to do what we will with it. When I was at the Lincoln Museum, we purchased uh, at one time an inkwell uh, that Abraham Lincoln had used uh, when he signed the final Emancipation Proclamation. And it was a, a, truly an awesome, uh, a, a spine-tingling artifact, I thought, uh, to, to wear the white gloves and hold it in my hand, uh, uh, this, this this artifact that had 
this, this piece of history that led to mm-hmm. uh, the, the abolition uh, or the freedom of legal freedom of four million people it was, it was an incredible thing. Then there were people uh, in the the uh, at the Lincoln Financial Company who owned the museum, whose view was what a what a great PR opportunity. We'll fill it with ink and have the CEO sign some documents <laughs> on TV, like. Well, needless to say, that didn't happen. Um, we had to educate some people on what stewardship meant. Uh, that we were privileged to have custody of this artifact to share with the public and, 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 and teach with. Uh, but it was not ours to play with or fill with ink and, and uh, use for, for private gain. Now, not every collector, though, is perhaps as well educated in that uh, uh, direction. Uh, did how, did you just evolve this theory yourself? How 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 did you come to realize the, the the responsibility that goes with these documents? Well, I would say it's very much related to the Battle of Franklin, and, and what I mean by that is, you know, I've lived here in Williamson County, Tennessee, and in, in, uh, in the Franklin area here now for ten years. I'm originally from uh, the Louisville, Kentucky area, and we moved here about ten years ago. And you know, I knew about the Battle of Franklin. But I didn't really know much about it. And then, as I referenced earlier, you know, once I saw, once I learned of the personal connection here, it really changed everything. Because, um, the, you know, in my opinion, <clears throat> history, uh, you know, is about stories. And the story of the Battle of Franklin and all of the, 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 the smaller stories that make up that collective story, um, nobody owns those. Um, they, they belong to all of us. And because I live in Franklin, I, 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 I live and reside and I drive by Carnton, I drive by the Carter House uh, so many, you know, so, so many days, um, you know, during, you know, my just normal every, everyday life, uh, I'll drive by these places and stop. Um, I, I look at that we all have a responsibility to, to preserve the story, to tell the story, to pass on the story. And the items that have been left behind that are physical reminders of that story, whether they be relics, um, you know, including, you know, bullets and, and swords and guns, or whether they be the documents, um, I believe that there's a certain, um, there's a certain aspect that all of those, um, items have a certain collective import to the entire community. Um, you know, I'm not one that would say, you know, you, you can't have personal collections. I certainly do. It's just that, you know, my personal collection, um, I share at uh, Civil War roundtables. I will share at presentations at the Historical Society. I'll share if someone calls me or emails me and say, can I come over and take a look at what you have? Um, because I just, I just feel it's important that, that we all have an opportunity to learn the story. It's our story. Um, and to and to retell it to keep the story alive and so there's there's just a collective sense in which um, these items um, go beyond just an individual basis, if you will. That that touched on a question that, that occurred to me. We were talking about how collectors, how, how someone like you goes out to find material, uh, and I was wondering how one searches the other direction. That is, if someone else is interested in the Battle of Franklin, they read your website and they. They know that you've got this, this substantial collection of manuscript materials. Um, if you were a library, you would have a catalog, and they'd be able to right. come in and look through it. 
uh, maybe it'd be even an online catalog, and they'd be able to find out what you have. Um, how can someone find out what you have? Like, let's you know, they may have a relative, and they wonder if you've got mm-hmm. his letters. Um, uh, right. Yeah. I, I don't want to. I'm going to say, do people just pick up the phone? I don't want you to get a hundred phone calls after the show. Well, no. I mean, uh, the way I've built the Battle of Franklin blog is number one is right at the very top. There's a search tool, so there's a search mm-hmm. window. You can search for someone's last name. You can search for anything. You can put any keyword in there. You can you can put 63rd Indiana in there. And if you had a relative in 63rd Indiana, and and if I do have a content item that is in my blog related to the 63rd, I've keyed the keyword to that to that item in my blog. See, I've been doing this blog for like five or six years, and so I have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of items. And so every single every single piece of content that I have in there has at least one keyword, and sometimes have five sometimes has five or six keywords. That's you know, in other words, it's meta tagged. Uh, so that it makes it very easy to find that content. And then the other thing is, is because I've been doing this for so long and there's, there are hundreds and hundreds of pages on there, my site is very well indexed by the search engines. So believe me, I mean, there's, there's, I'm not bragging, I'm just saying there's, there's not another site out there in terms of on the Battle of Franklin that has more content uh, than my blog does. And the advantage of that for the user is that you know when Google and these you know these mega search engines when they index my blog, they have hundreds and hundreds of those pages indexed. And so if you just search for Battle of Franklin, you know in, in, in quotes, and then you just you know really add anything, add the word you know Claiborne like, as in Patrick Claiborne, General Patrick Claiborne. If you search for Battle of Franklin and Claiborne, my guess is that nine times out of ten, if I've got content on my blog. Uh, on that topic, it's going to come right up at the top of the search results just because search engines favor blogs or websites that have a lot of content on that mm-hmm. topic. And then another idea, too, that I'm, I'm floating that I'm probably going to do is I've recently, um, and this is sort of a new idea, but I've, I've been experimenting a little bit with the Amazon Kindle and, and the Kindle app for the iPhone, and I, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to take what I just kind of call the best of my content from the Battle of Franklin and, um, and I've, I've got it printed out right now. It's about 236 pages. And what I thought about doing is just popping it on, you know, Kindle, because you can – Kindle's really simple. You can just simply take a Word document. So this, and this is a good lesson for anyone out there that has letters or diaries that they've transcribed, and they want to make them accessible. And, you know, and it's not that I've got to earn my paycheck from it, so I don't have to charge much for this. And a matter of fact, I'd, I'd, I would charge as little as I could possibly charge. But – um, if you have letters and, and, you know, I took this blog content, for example, and I've distilled it down to, you know, 250 pages of, of content just on the Battle of Franklin, I can take that Word document, load it into Kindle, and, um, and then people that have the Kindle app on the iPhone or they have an Amazon Kindle reader, they can download this entire 230, 40 pages just on the Battle of Franklin, you know, from blog content I have. And and once it's in Kindle, it's also keyword searchable. You can um, highlight it, uh, make, you know, notes and what have you. And I, I think these kind of formats, like an Amazon Kindle or, or these, you know, e-book readers, I think they're really going to open up the doors for people like me who, you know, I don't have time to write a traditional manuscript print book but I have just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages of research and primary resource material that I've collected over the years that I would love to just put out there just to make accessible for people um, in a very, very you know, cost-affordable way, um, but a very accessible way. Well, this, I mean, this really is a cutting-edge thing that we're talking about. I, a couple of weeks on the show, uh, 
I had Gary Yee uh, as our guest, and he has written a book on sharpshooters in the Civil War. Actually, sharpshooters since the beginning of, of, of gunpowder, but mostly in the Civil War. It's an 800-page book. It's essentially a self-published book, uh, and the bulk of it is first-person accounts. Uh, so he had to... He went to the great expense of, of getting this published in traditional paper format uh, to make these accounts accessible. But what you're talking about is another way of doing the same thing. What we'll do is take a short break and come back on this topic a little bit. Uh, our guest today is Craig McNutt, who I call an online historian, uh, but also a collector, also a web publisher. It's, uh, it, we're in a brave new world where definitions don't uh, fit easily. But we'll learn more when we come back in a minute on Civil War Talk Radio. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to listen and talk. The Battle of Franklin, the bloodiest five hours of the Civil War. We'll learn more about it and more about new ways to explore Civil War battles when we return on Civil War Talk Radio. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel, where the world comes to talk. Love old cars and want to know more about them? Thinking about investing in your dream car but don't know if it's a smart decision? Want to fix up that classic that's just rotting away in your garage but don't know how to get started? You need Resto Talk. Every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific, Melvin Benziquin, the restoration expert, will address these topics and more and invite prestigious guests from the automotive industry to answer all of your questions and provide you with great quality information. Get your motor started with Resto Talk on the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Listen. Listen. The world is talking. The World Talk Radio Variety Channel. Welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich, talking today with Craig McNutt, the publisher and creator of the website BattleOfFranklin.net, but also the CivilWarGazette.com. Uh, franklinmatters.com uh, is a Facebook group on the same subject. Uh, lots uh, of online content about the Battle of Franklin. And we've been talking about Civil War material related to the, the Franklin as well as other battles uh, being brought to the public in new ways. That this, uh, our, our conversation today, uh, I, I apologize to everyone who wants to know much more about the Battle of Franklin itself, but uh, go to this website and you will be satisfied. Uh, and, and hopefully we'll, we'll talk a little about it, but the, the, the direction uh, I'm finding fascinating is, is learning about how these documents uh, of the past can be brought to public attention in ways that could not be done before. Uh, and in our last segment, we were just discussing how... Uh, uh, if you're a Civil War collector, you can put your documents into uh, uh, in, into a Kindle format, and it can be 
read by people with an iPhone and the appropriate app or with the Amazon Kindle. In other words, you can essentially self-publish a book now mm -hmm. through Kindle for much less than the traditional uh, paper version of a self-published book. The now, self-published books uh, are, are anathema in terms of, of, of serious research, traditionally, because uh, if, if somebody self-publishes a book, it means they couldn't find a reputable publisher to do it for them. Uh, either no one thought they'd make money, or if it's an academic press, no one thought it had anything worthwhile to say. And thus, uh, typically, the, the vanity press is a source of contempt among historical professionals. But we're talking about something new here where uh, people want to get things out, um, uh, where people might have something worthwhile to publish, but don't want to go the traditional route. And in fact, the traditional route is really suffering greatly. The University of Michigan announced uh, in the last week or two that the University of Michigan Press, that they, they were no longer going to publish paper versions of historical monographs. Hmm. Uh, which have been the lifeblood of the historical profession in terms of getting tenure and promotion, you had to publish a book. Um, now, university presses are changing the way they publish, limiting the way they publish, reducing greatly the opportunities for people to publish, at the same time that what you just described, Craig, in our last segment, uh, Kindle lets anyone publish uh, at, at a moderate cost, I assume. Uh, Actually, so it's free. Um, for if you, for me the publisher if you will mm -hmm. um, if I want to load up this um, this uh, a blogger's guide to the Battle of Franklin this weekend which is like about 240 pages if I want to load that up to Kindle um, they simply take my word for my word formatted document reformat it into the Kindle version mm -hmm. preserves the pictures preserves even the hyperlinks into the new Kindle format and I'm not charged a penny. Uh, now, how how does the user get? Does the user pay for it? Yeah, if if there's a price, like I can assign a price of ninety nine cents or nine dollars and ninety five cents uh, for the document I load up. So the you know me as the self publisher, I I choose the price. But um, you know the very nature of the Kindle you know format is to keep things extremely reasonable. And then again, because people like me already earn our our you know I earn my living through another means, I don't have to to. Um, you know, uh, worry about whether or not I'm going to uh, pay my light bill through, you know, this, this Kindle publication. Um, you know, I'm not interested in, um, nor do I think I would get rich <laughs> off of providing, you know, uh, this, this uh, blogger's guide to the Battle of Franklin for forty nine ninety five. So I'm going to put it up there for, you know, uh, a couple bucks, you know, just to kind of compensate me for, you know, just hours upon hours upon hours of getting it up there. Um, but you know, once it's up there, you know, there's it's it's just extremely, <laughs> you know, uh, affordable for the uh, for the end user to download that to their their iPhone uh, or pull it into their Kindle. I, I happen to have the Amazon Kindle, and I use um, I use that uh, for uh, research as well. Well, you're you're certainly right about not getting rich from Civil War publishing uh, in the traditional format right. either. I can tell you, uh, th it's not why people do it. Right. But the, it, I, I'm wondering if we're looking at a future where uh, a, a historian who does have time to write books, or where that's what they're paid to do, a university historian, for example, uh, now if they want to write books, they would, they might take 
the letters, uh, you mentioned the letters where you have bought a set of letters, and the Lilly Library in Indianapolis has the um, diaries. Uh, has the diaries of the same soldier. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the historian's role might be to put those together and actually produce the edited and annotated uh, book based on this person's life. Where they, yeah, the, exactly. the value they added is the research. Right. And I think that's an interesting model because, you know, like I'm trying to decide whether or not I want to be that, you know, person to also mm-hmm. do that. However, if I decide I don't want to do that, then I would gladly partner with a professional historian, and I know many, um, who, um, you know, again, in the interest of what's best for the entire community, if I can't get to this project or I don't have the ability to do it, let's say, um, and I, I reasonably feel that, you know, uh, I am just not going to get to this, any, you know, in, in a legitimate point of time, uh, and, a, and a historian approached me and said, well, you know, could I have access to your letters? And then, of course, they have to get permission from Lily on the diaries. But, um, yeah, I, I think those kind of partnerships between, if I could loosely use the term, a public historian like me and professional historians and in the academic institutions, I think the, the new technology that's available today is, uh, is giving uh, ample opportunity for those three uh, areas to work together uh, for the betterment of history. Well, this this really is a, a, a sea change in how historians will do things. Mm-hmm. I mean, the letters were always out there. Right. No, no one's written new Civil War letters since 1865. <laughs> but they they when they're in private hands, right. it would be word of mouth. Um, I, I when I wrote uh, all for the regiment, uh, I had a collection of letters that I was able to use that belonged to an individual who. I had gotten in touch with another professor at the place where I was a graduate student, and you know, by by this individual method, I happened to be the only person to have access to these letters, and I was able to to use them, and that was great. But how much better if everyone had access to those letters? Exactly, it reminds me of the true story of you know when the Dead Sea Scrolls were found, and uh, you know, literally for decades upon decades, as in thirty or forty years, um, these you know primary. Doc, primary resource documents were in the hands of just a few academic elite until you know the mid '80s when uh, when Professor Marty Abeg figured out how to to uh, to, to uh, determine what were what was in those originals through a computer through computer technology. He created a, a lexicon that uh, ended up revealing you know what was really in those letters, and then all of a sudden. You know, these the the primary resources were spread out spread out among the academic community. It was technology that did that. Technology can sometimes, when it becomes, when it gets into the hands of of the common folk, if you will, um, it can be a little bit unnerving for those that that uh, are in positions that uh, have had you know sort of exclusive access to content and are very reluctant to maybe make you know provide access to it. Yeah, I mean, there, there certainly is that that feeling one detects in, in institutions as well as individuals a reluctance to uh, to let go of this this precious material. But uh, the mission has always been in any collecting institution to to share it with the public. So mm-hmm. um, there, there are there are hurdles to overcome, but it, it's it's a very exciting uh, mm-hmm. new direction to go. Let, you've mentioned several times you live uh, in Franklin or in the mm-hmm. area, and uh, I wanted to ask you about the preservation effort right. in terms of Franklin. Uh, could you talk about that? Yeah, I mean, that, that's been something that's been very exciting for our community. Uh, I know you had um, Robert Hicks on back in, I think it was uh, just recently with uh, A Separate Country, uh, his book that came out, and then um, uh, a few years back, Widow of the South. And, mm-hmm. and Robert is a, 
you know, as a, a very well-respected citizen of our community. And, um, you know, through the likes of uh, organizations like Franklin's Charge that he's involved with and, and uh, Save the Franklin Battlefield and, and other uh, efforts, if you will, uh, many just by individuals that, that have come together under some of those umbrellas, you know, we've seen a tremendous um, momentum swing in the last five to seven years in our community. And, um, you know, we're very excited because we're reclaiming uh, land um, that, uh, you know, many thought just would never be reclaimed. Uh, you know, a few years back, we, uh, our community, the preservation community, was able to uh, purchase about 110 acres or so of um, what's now called the Eastern Flank, which is over there near Carnton. It, it, it was the... Uh, the uh, Franklin uh, uh, Country uh, Club uh, golf course, and we've reclaimed that. We're slowly reclaiming uh, acre by acre around the Carter House, uh, buying, you know, literally one acre at a time, and, and moving an old house, and and moving uh, or, or you know buying the land that a Pizza Hut was on, and we're trying to acquire the land where a Domino's is uh, today in a little strip mall, and it's you know death by a thousand cuts, but we have a lot of momentum because there's a lot of excitement in our um, in our community. And, and a lot of pride, you know, to, to for our story to be known. And obviously with the sesquicentennial coming up, um, you know, we've got a, a four-year window there, as, as do many communities like ours, to um, to get our story, you know, to get our respective stories out there. And um, I'm a big, big fan of, of preservation. Um, I uh, support and promote, uh, you know, preservation efforts on all of my blogs and um, encourage anyone listening, if you're not involved, to get involved with uh, the Civil War Preservation Trust if you're not already. That's a great organization at, at the national level, and they help uh, efforts at the local level, um, you know, as well. So, great organization. Now, I've gotten the impression that, that maybe the, the non-Civil War community of Franklin has been educated a little bit in the, the idea of his heritage tourism and the values that preservation can bring to people, even if they don't necessarily care about the war. Uh, do, do you see that happening? Yes, I, I do see that. Um, you know, uh, we we have a uh, annual conference now here in our community in June every year, and it's called uh, Franklin's Charge Symposium, and um, it, it'll be again this. I think this is the third or fourth year in a row, and uh, we bring in uh, academics as well as uh, business people, tourism people uh, at the local levels, uh, federal level, regional level. And uh, we all get together for a few days there, uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, if I'm not mistaken. And not only do you get tours of, of the local battlefields and, and, the, and the sites, but, um, you know, workshops and uh, speeches and talks and, and just the opportunity to network with people locally here uh, is there for other communities to learn uh, the success that our community um, has had and is having in the preservation community. So that's a very unique uh, – that, that – um, that symposium in, in June. If if you just Google uh, Franklin's Charge Symposium, I'm sure it'd be you, you'll find it. Uh, it's a great way to learn about not only what we're doing, but some very practical ways that people can go back to their community. Um, and and I think heritage tourism is is at the top of that in terms of um, having a bottom line impact for a community at an economic level, um, and yet still being able to preserve um, uh, land and, and sites that are related to history. Well, I, th- I think your your website certainly serves that goal as well by bringing attention to the historic events at Franklin. I'll say one more thought about the the website. One thing that uh, that kept me going uh, when I looked at the front page, um, as I'm sure you're well aware, there are 
many, many hundreds, if not thousands, of Civil War-related websites, uh, and a substantial percentage of them are, um, uh, how, how to describe it, uh, are, are politically tinged, uh, neo-Confederate, uh, revanchist, uh, uh, revisionist, uh, any, any kind of name you want to attach to it. Um, uh, does that ever trouble you, that, that, that your website says, says on the front page, this is not going to make neo-Confederates happy, it's, not, it's, it's about history, it's not about contemporary politics. And that kept me going, uh, made me realize, well, this author's at least aware that there's some bad company out there. Um, does it ever trouble you that, that, that you're, uh, you're in the same format with some, uh, to use a scientific term, nutcases? <laughs> Well, it, it, it doesn't trouble me. It troubles it troubles the readers that are neo-Confederate that come to my blog. <laughs> uh-huh. But uh, you know, believe it or not, I mean, I get very, I get a little. I mean, I would you know kind of call it hate mail, if you will. It's very infrequent. I, I might get two or three a month from uh, just you know I kind of call them two percenters, just crazies. Um, mm-hmm. And but I, I'll get um, you know five to ten a week from people who say, hey, thank you, I found a relative through, through your blog and this, you know, this letter or, or what have you through your website. I now have discovered that I have a relative who's buried at McGavick in uh, McGavick Confederate Cemetery over at Carnton. And so what keeps me going is are those kind of emails and those, that kind of uh, impact uh, at the very grassroots level, helping someone find a relative, uh, you know, dead or buried uh, in uh, in a McGavick, uh, you know, cemetery, and you know, I I just um, the, the 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 quality of the content on the Battle of Franklin blog pretty much speaks for itself. People know that it's trustworthy. You know, it's um, I've, I've earned that over time for many, 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 many years. You know, I don't always do things right every now and then. You know, I've got to take, uh, you know, I've, I've got to be sensitive to to people if I'm if I'm you know myself being a little bit mm-hmm. too critical because I'll I'll myself I will write articles about Hood's blunder at Franklin and interview Professor Stephen Woodworth or someone you know like that of his caliber and just kind of let the chips fall where they may. Well, that that's the the way history is done, I suppose. Craig, as always happens, we're out of time too soon on Civil War Talk Radio, but I want to thank you very much for being on the show today. Thank you very much. It's, it's my pleasure. And listeners, you'll want to check out the battle, uh, battleoffranklin.net on the web. You'll enjoy that, and thank you for listening to Civil War Talk Radio. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the World Talk Radio Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit worldtalkradio.com. The World Talk Radio Network, where the world comes to talk. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the World Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Ready to revolutionize your thinking? It's time to learn about the clarity, simplicity, and speed of systems thinking and how it can be applied to every aspect of your daily life. Each week, tune in to Steve Haynes Live and learn one systems thinking concept. You'll also learn three simple, clear, and integrated applications that you can use instantly. You can apply them to your life, job, family, organization, government, and or society.